Welcome to another exciting edition of Near Mint Comic Radio, your local comic shop shrunk down, gamma irradiated, collected by a mad titan, and aired live every week only on the non-productive network, the only place that would have us. I'm your host, Frank, joined in studio as always by Ken and Pete. Hi, Ken and Pete. Hey, Frank. Yay! <laughs> on Near Mint, we rank and review comics from best to worst. That's Mint, Near Mint, good, fair, and poor to you newbies, and try to guide you on what to read and what might be better to avoid. All month long, Near Mint is going gaga over Thanos as we celebrate Infinity Month in preparation for that new movie coming out. I have got no more jokes about this. It's it's Blockers. Infinity War, Avengers oh. Infinity War. That's a big deal. And uh, speaking of Avengers Infinity War, this week we're actually at Infinity War. We're reading that... Um, Thing, that crossover event. Yeah, um, the four reels one that was titled Infinity War. So Marvel's Infinity War from 1992? Two. Yes, good. 1992. Uh, he- here's a stupid question that I may be just asking rhetorically so that I could hear my co-host speak. Was this actually a crossover event, as in did it leak into other comics, or was this a miniseries, more like Thanos Quest, the first in our four-week-long exploration oh, of these oh, Infinity books. Oh, my. My, oh, my, was it a crossover event. Indeed yeah. it was. Yes. It was, I think, at this stage, we are into the um, leaking into every book frustratingly phase of crossovers. I don't know that I would call it leaking into, uh, being awkwardly forced into other books. That's the guy. Other That's books. the one. Yep, yep. Every other book. So, so in Thanos Quest is, was self-contained, two issues, two big issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, Infinity Gauntlet was the first tease of crossover events yeah. in, in our Infinity books, Infinity, and I think it was pretty well done. Yeah, Infinity Gauntlet basically took the thing and was like, hey, we've got like this big thing where all of the characters are involved in this universal storyline. Might be fun to do a an issue in each of their books about uh, what what they were doing during this. Yeah, and you get a little triangle piece on your cover, yeah. and it's relatively may- modest. May- maybe we'll see a slight uptick in uh, sales. And then Infinity know, War. Be, yeah, and then it's like, oh, wow, that worked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh, everybody should do this. <laughs> yeah. Everybody should do this all the time and not just one. Oh. <laughs> It can cross over for five or six. Can you realize if we laugh at him too much, he's going to just do this for the rest of the show? Uh, I'm just amazed that no one's tried to bludgeon Jim Starlin based on all this now. Oh, you know, or you mean like the writer? Like it's at the time, it's yeah, because of the fact that, like, in a way, like this was the thing that started the whole thing where everything's an event now. All right, Jim, you come. We're all going to do voices this episode. All right, Jim, enough of this, man. I had a story. Punch right in the I face. Think, uh, I think we're going to need a couple of issues to explore how this affects Alpha Flight. <laughs> All right, so let's uh, let's deal with this right from the start. The story does an interesting job of I, uh, very briefly before we do the recap to catch everyone up. The, the 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 page where you get each team represented is and it's uh, Mister Fantastic uh, calling out to the Avengers and the X Men. And then the West Coast Avengers, and then they were still a thing. Yeah, Yeah. an Alpha Flight, and then like all ah those days before those Halcyon days before Force Works. What's fun about that that splash page, and what's fun about a lot of this book is it is a time capsule. It is a time capsule, and it's only a year after Infinity Gauntlet, and it's such a dated time capsule of a a period Mm. in comics, a nineties. What's going on with Sue's hair, period, in comics? There's a lot to digest in this, but let's start what, off what, with... What did Tony's armor look like at this point? <laughs> at any given panel. <laughs> um, let's let's start with the, the brief recap. 
Of course, we know the mad titan Thanos, who, uh, when we last seen, saw him, gathered up all the Infinity Gems into his Infinity Gauntlet, became effectively uh, a god for a short period of time, and uh, fought against all of Marvel superheroes for no good reason. They were just sort of cannon fodder to be a distraction for the ultimate uh, hero of the day, Adam Warlock, the the meme that would never happen, <laughs> to show up and say, "I am, I'm going to be the new big guy in town." He didn't say that. He did. That, yeah. That's not a quote from the book, but it's close. Yeah. And yeah, Adam Warlock uh, inherits the Infinity Gauntlet, becomes a god, um, and Thanos is banished to his backwater planet, where he lives off like a farmer, a farmer kind of yeah. thinking mm-hmm. about times when he was a good was a super guy i like to call him prepper thanos prepper thanos <laughs> i guess sure there's a little bit of that in this book this book picks up exactly where that one left off although you know i guess not oh, a, a few, yeah. uh, maybe a couple of weeks or months afterwards it picks up in that on that um backwater planet mm-hmm. that thanos has uh sort of uh, uh banished himself to yeah uh and retired i think retired is a good way of looking at it and uh yes time has passed in the marvel universe in that uh some a bunch of stuff happened to adam warlock that we're not really kind of we are actually that's not fair i was gonna say we don't know what happened but we we are expositioned what happens we don't get it immediately yeah we don't know immediately but we are eventually told in a several panels with uh pip the troll MST3King it in the background going, this is old news. I'm like, I get it. Yeah, but I didn't know it. So yeah. thank you for recapping. Uh, that, <laughs> thank that, you, info dump. Yeah, Adam Warlock had passed off the gems to uh, some of his best buddies, really, just his his boom yeah. companions. The Living Tribunal, the, the spokesman for the god of gods right. who shall remain unnamed. Right, but is occasionally uh, drawn to look like Stan Lee. Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, was, uh, <laughs> he, he ruled that the Infinity Gems can't work together. Yeah, it's too cool, You've man. you got to get rid of them. It, it really did feel like a line that came down from editorial, uh, which makes sense. Uh, so now the Infinity Gauntlet doesn't really work together. The gems have been separated. Normality has returned to the Marvel Universe. But lo and behold, there's a new villain in town, and that villain is the Magus, who is the evil alter ego of Adam Warlock, and he has a plan. Because we found out during that uh, exposition, too, I believe, that during the brief moment when Warlock had the gauntlet and he wielded all power, he separated the good and evil within him in order to become neutral. Right. Yeah, truly neutral. The only way he could really uh, use the power without being Pure logic was what god needed to be mm. so he expelled good and evil from his from himself now if if forever misguided reason you are listening to this podcast and not reading the book that could still be entertaining we hope we are that may have been confusing to you well guess what it was all delivered in a chain of info dumps and are not really super essential to the story. I think the biggest takeaway from that is that Thanos was a bad guy. In this one, he's kind of retired. He doesn't want to go back into... Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to fight again. He's like Rocky, maybe three or four. He's still kind of monitoring what's going on, though. Yeah, yeah. In the universe. And, of course, the big take, the biggest takeaway is that Adam Warlock has, is no longer an IMP. Uh, powerful, but he does introduce a major villain into the story, which is himself, his evil alter ego. Mm-hmm. And the entirety of Infinity War is it plays with that evil alter ego concept, where everybody gets a little, little bit of that. Regarding the info dumps, I have kind of an issue with the way they're done, uh, more so than usual info dumps, because usually in this book it comes out as a 
oh, wait, we probably should have told you this earlier. In, instead of, here's the stuff you need to know, it's a, oh, oh, wait, wait, you, you should have known this before we did right. that other part. Yeah, yeah, it does seem a little uh, clumsier than I would have liked. Um, but I, I guess, again, the, the recaps are never quite as fun as going right into our feelings about these these yeah. books. And uh, as soon as I saw Ken today, he, he, we kind of looked at each other. We're like, Ugh. oh, <laughs> man. You know, I'm, I'm torn. I'm torn because, again, back in 92, I actually really liked this series. And I know Peter and I got to talk a little bit beforehand, too, about this. And, um, you know, I think I still have the, the nostalgia bug, I think, more for, for, for these books. It's not how I remember it. It's kind of like going back and rereading the first, uh, the original Infinity Gauntlet. Mm-hmm. But there are things that I did tend to pick at a lot that I think I, I wasn't aware of or didn't even want to take notice to when I was younger. That's true. You you are... And uh, how a lot of this is kind of a, a, a rehash of what we've already seen in a way. That's one of the things that surprised me the most about this book. Isn't the... Um We'll get to whether or not it was good or not, but the question of how much of this was stuff we've already seen. Yeah, I mean, Starlin went bigger with it. Instead Definitely. of taking those 15 characters that fought Thanos on, on, on his uh, asteroid uh, citadel, Yeah, we actually have most of the Marvel Universe involved. Yeah. And Speedball. <laughs> Speedball. Yeah. I love, he has at least one, one, he has one line, at least in the first four or five books that they just yeah, give him. He, so just, he like, just lost. Yeah. He's like, what? He's kind of huh? the audience stand in. Yeah. Yeah. It's like he, he occasionally expresses that he has no idea what's going on, but Jim Starlin just forgets about him for yeah. most of the thing. It's really good. I mean, I his, really first, his first that. one was when they were talking about the Infinity Gaul, and his first words are the Infinity what? <laughs> <laughs> he's so out of the loop. He needs his homework. Uh, the gaunt who? So I feel like there are certain aspects that aren't great, like the the rehashing of the heroes effectively having no info, impact on the story. They're just cannon fodder often. The the fact that villains are attempting to uh, the villains are very this. much the same in a way too. Mm-hmm. Where you had Thanos being calculating, where he had every move planned out to get up to where he was going. Uh-huh. The Magus is the same thing, except he's more calculating. I, I guess right. I'm three or four steps ahead of you, as opposed to Thanos only being one or two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it does suffer from the same kind of power creep that haunts, I think, these stories. Mm. I think that's one of the reasons why collecting the gems is a fun story, but once you got them, it's like, oh, God, what am I going to do with this guy? There's there's only so much you can do with a character whose superpower is that I can't be stopped, and also I've thought of everything. My power is more infinite than yours. And and at one point towards the end of the story, it actually does get to the point of, you think you had all the, the you have infinity, infinity, I have infinity and eternity. And like, what does this mean? What does any of this mean? <laughs> However, and I don't know why, I, I, I just feel it. It feels almost like draft two. And in that case, yeah. there are things that are better. I feel like the way the heroes are incorporated in this story are a lot more interesting. Overall, I, I have recently re-listened to our second episode in this series. I encourage you to do so as well. If it any gauntlet, Pete makes some excellent points about uh, about the stakes in there being more personal than you might imagine when you see heroes failing to save everyone. At the end of the story, that, that, that thing is still heroes going out and punching planets and being like, no matter how much I lasso this planet, it's not going to help. Compared to this story where 
the interaction and the engagement and the voices the heroes have seem a little bit more uh, succinct. And I think a big element of that is the evil twin aspect. Not that any of the evil twins really have a lot of characterization or any, but at least it's somewhat amusing to see people like you could imagine the hero saying, well, of course we have to fight our evil selves. Who else is going to do this? Right. Yes. And that's the 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 doppelgangers yeah. or the uh, the minions of Queen Doppelpopolis as I uh as okay. I like to refer to them. I don't know what that means. It's a C-Lab 2021 reference. All right, sounds good. Uh, but I, th- for those of you who haven't read it yet, it, they are exact copies of the heroes, except more 90s. <laughs> they are. They are. I, so a lot of these are like trial oh, runs. Right. They're like extreme versions yeah. of the character. Oh, yeah. The Iron Man with all these spikes on his armor. Oh, that was the best. Plus, they also have tentacles. Yeah, they also have to, no reason, no explanation for the tentacle <laughs> no. things. Um, but what I do enjoy, so here's me uh, going in this blind, relatively blind. Like, I don't remember the context of these stories. The first, I think the first doppelganger we see maybe is Thanos, but the, the, the one that matters mm-hmm. is yeah. Spider-Man. And he's it's the Spider-Man with the multiple arms and kind of the venom mouth. And I'm like... Is this mm-hmm. a Clone Saga reference? Is no. what's happening with this? Well, this, this was actually this predates the Clone yeah. Saga, and I couldn't figure it out until I realized, oh no, this is just something unique to the books. But every villain we saw, every uh, doppelganger we saw, at first I'm like, am I missing something that happened? No, I was not. It's actually really interesting that you bring up the mm-hmm. Spider-Man doppelganger because, for some ungodly reason. The Spider-Man doppelganger continued to exist after Infinity War. For at least three to four years, minimum. Yeah. Really? they uh, Somebody just seized on it. He was an integral part of the Spider-Man Maximum Carnage crossover. Okay. Uh, I think it was two or two years after this. Something like something that. Something like that. Uh, that might explain my confusion, because I think I knew yeah, from, probably Ma- have seen yeah, that. from Maximum Carnage, but didn't he, know the source. Yeah, he ended up being adopted as like a pet. By Carnage and <laughs> and uh, Scream was that her name? Shriek. Shriek. That was it. Yeah. All right. It was. I mean, very weird. I have no idea why he survived the end of these I'll, events. I'll put money down. Whoever was writing Amazing Spider-Man at that point went, "Dude, this looks really cool." That's the That's fun exactly part about reading these comics from this time period. There's not so much the investiture of the billion-dollar movie franchises or the billion-dollar publishing franchises. Or uh, the fan base of millions of people who will hate on you for changing things. A lot of this was just like, yeah, I'll do that. And I, <laughs> this dude enjoyable. looks cool. I'm going to use him in my book. For a marketing standpoint, too, back in the 90s at this point, we, were, we had all the action figures coming out. How many darn Spider-Mans were they going to make? Now we have a new character that, that isn't Spider-Man, and we can dude, sell that, too. Are you bad-mouthing Jungle Adventure Spidey? Yes. No. <laughs> So yeah, the, so, you had a raft. And, and to be honest, I mean, we've seen this later on too, where we had an Age of Apocalypse, and the evil beast carried over and stayed on for a while too. So I mean, mm-hmm. it's not an uncommon thing, but it was one of the first times that something like this uh, that I think actually happened. Dark Beast is still around, right? And there's a lot of fun things that you can do when you get a character that sticks. You could even make the argument that the entire black costume Spider-Man and Venom is just a leftover toy thing from the Secret Wars. From Secret Wars. So I. Those are some of the aspects I did enjoy about the book is the how the heroes were able to do something else. I think the story generally works better with Thanos as a protagonist. What am I looking for? Not the villain of the story, but not necessarily he's, just the antagonist. He's neutral. He's, he's still there kind of to not help so much, but to kind of make sure that 
nothing affects him ultimately. I, I think what I'm so in Thanos Quest, he's definitely the main character in right. that, and and in Infinity Gauntlet, it's less clear that he it, the story revolves around him because so many other people are given a platform to talk about how. Uh, worthless they are in this yeah. situation. In this story, they have a nice mix of Thanos being able to contribute nearly as a protagonist, if that's if I yeah. could get away with that, but still be the bad guy he is. To 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 steal a George R R Martin terminology, he he's definitely one of the main point of view characters. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even like the panels where we have Thanos and his doppelganger, I think kind of sealed where he was with this. Can I just say that those panels are hilarious to me? Hol- oh, let, let's talk hilarious. about hilarious. Let- just like imagine Thanos, the Mad Titan, it, looking kind of quizzically at the mm-hmm. fr- at the camera, as it were, and then behind him you see another little Earth Thanos who's like hiding halfway behind a rock. And as Thanos turns around to look, the other Thanos ducks down. Mm-hmm. It's adorable and ridiculous, and I don't think that was intentional. I take your Thanos looking at each other back and forth. And mix it with the, the the dialogue of Kang and Doctor Doom back and forth. Oh, that forget w- the dialogue, the interior the, monologue. Yes, <laughs> that and I do believe that was intentional. I think I think Jim did do that, and Starlin did that, and it, I think it was great. That is another highlight for me in the book. The way the two that was not, villains, but, but that was. 90s storytelling too. Like that was like back to old school comic books with the whole I'm I'm gonna take. I'm going to take you out. It's the first chance I have. No, yeah. I'm going to take you out. First oh, chance that's I get. late 80s. Early, yeah, that's and it was classic. Mm-hmm. These two characters are perfect. Doom and Kang. Just I will be here and give my inner monologue about what I'm going to do. Yeah, yeah I absolutely love it. And if there if the, the upcoming movie is even 50 percent that I would be <laughs> delightful. I really genuinely hope and I don't know what I'm doing by putting this out into the cosmos, but I genuinely hope some of the actors from the original, not the Roger Corman, but the the original <laughs> Fantastic Four movie, make an appearance, and I'm like, I would be so ecstatic. Because I, I did not hate those films. I, Thank I, you. I'm, I, yeah, thought I, I was I, the only one who felt that way. I, I definitely think there are some highlights to it. And that, that's another highlight for me in this book, is the role of the Fantastic Four, that they have a role, because mm-hmm. uh, they are, you know, Marvel's first family, and they're important. But also, they're an interesting narrative thread that brings it all together. Not only Doom as a villain, and a little bit of showing off that Sue gets to do uh, before. Well, I think it was the fallout from Infinity Gauntlet with them not having anything to do with it. Yes, and the 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 confusing drama of Mr. Reed Richards. Yeah, yeah. Mister Fantastic. I mean, I guess he shot somewhere. <laughs> They never resolve that. He may be unconscious in the basement or dead. That actually is a. a, a you, you touched on a very uh, important point here, that's and true. that's that. There's a lot of plot threads that are introduced in here, and are never resolved. Yeah, because we didn't have that whole. Let's send everything back to the way it was 24 hours ago. Deal. Yeah, the, but I, yeah, the, there's there's what happened to Reed. There's what happens with Spider-Man and Hawkeye in the hospital. Right. <laughs> the fact that they went to a hospital. I love that they just like it wasn't even a superhero hospital. They're just like in like in costume uh, laying yeah. in a bed being treated. And the, and the doctor has no costume. issue with this. He's, yeah. like, he's like, I'm gonna, I just love their like, masks no, on. They're I'm gonna be dog. okay. I took I took an oath. And that oath involves not taking off people's masks. But they're interest. still unconscious. No, 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 uh, no, yeah, no. I gave them a sedative. <laughs> This is a I've common thing. I've got rounds. I've got rounds. 
Which segues nicely into one of the problems I have with the book, specifically how much real estate is spent on things that have no consequence, that don't matter. I don't need to know that the doctor has rounds. I don't even really need to see a scene of Hawkeye and Spider-Man in a hospital with the Lady Avengers being nursemaids. This, by the way, was what I was getting at. Oh, I'm sorry. These are, I believe plot points that are resolved in the crossover books oh interesting it's kind of the opposite of gee i wonder what these guys were doing when all this was happening where instead you're presented with the seeds the beginnings of their story and you have to go out and buy the other book in order to find out what happens. It's wor- it's almost worth me following up on at least one story. I mean, like, I think Spider-Man alone, I would like to know if they actually did address this. Because if not, and even if so, what would they do? Was it just him in a hospital bed? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, if you, it, it, if you looked at the very end of that scene, yeah. there is this shadow looming in the hallway Oh, uh, outside of the room. And it wasn't until after I finished reading the six issues of the main miniseries that I was like, wait a minute. We never got any, we never found out what that was. So it's, I, I, I think it's it's shameless commercial storytelling at its worst. Let's follow up on, on this either as a Patreon special or in the next episode, because I think it's worth uh, examining. There are plenty of editorial notes that say uh, this is from this source mm-hmm. or read up more on this on this other book, which is fine enough. But nothing that told me while reading that I'm not going to get this full story until I read other books. And in that case, I'm mixed on it. On the one hand, I do enjoy the opportunity of diving deep in a story. Uh, but on the other hand, I uh, f- the story I was given felt incomplete. Exactly. Another another scenario too, similar to that. Uh, again, with taking the characters and not explaining or not getting any more after it was um, when they went into Mistress Death's lair and went to look into the in, into the um, the, the pool, well. pool into yeah, the well. Infinity well. She shows up, and then also we have that moment where it's like, okay, well, apparently she wants to see what they came in, what they broke in for. Mm-hmm. And I like that the the fact that we we never got her perspective yeah. after she found out what was going on and she never she? came back. Yeah, we get the the infinity well, which now talks. Yeah, uh, apparently uh, I'm going to answer that in a little bit. Go on. And and at the end of that is like, uh, okay, they're gone. So you want to know? Yeah. So they left right in the middle of Infinity Well Siri about to answer their question <laughs> about who yeah. has the reality gem. I think it was or something along those lines. I think that was just an aside. I think they were trying to figure out. Oh, it's what's the Magus's plan? Yeah. Oh, oh, what was the Magus's plan? Yeah. And then leaves. Yeah. So I do definitely hope that scene ends one panel later with Lady Death saying. Just walking. No, nah, I'm good. Thanks. No, yeah, uh, my imagination. She leaves. She doesn't even <laughs> res- doesn't respond. <laughs> to continue the concept of the real estate wasted, th- there are stories that feel like they end nowhere. Maybe they do continue on in their own books, but there are plenty of situations where I'm certain there's no continuation. It's just focused in the wrong way, and that's all the MacGuffin speech, all the techno babble. All the explanations mm. for metaphysical properties that do not matter. For example, anytime anything happens in this book, everything mystical is broken down into some pseudoscientific terms. 
and we are told about frequencies and modulations and tracking the uh, the source of an emanation and like all of it is just filler speech. But it's, why is yeah. the Magus doing this through mechanical means? I don't I don't know or care. And, and it's what not does that, that mean? And it, for even if they were spending it using metaphysical MacGuffin words, there's so much energy and words and panels are put forward just to explain these huge concepts that really don't make any sense. They don't make any internal logical sense. They don't they don't really matter in the long term. Just tell me that Doom and Clang are somehow following Galactus. I don't need four panels explaining how the frequencies are working and then now we have to use the buffering shield and now we have to do that. Like, none of that means anything. Well, there is an idea to it and it was just the fact that there there are towers in different parts of reality so that he could travel or do whatever with it, but... Some of them are okay, but too much. Way too fully explained. Yeah, some of it was acceptable. Some of it is sort of the seeds of later... I I think maybe the reason why so much of it was included was I think Starlin was trying to do a a twist uh, often, which, you know, is occasionally successful. Uh, And in this case, the twist is the the Thanos-Adam Warlock switcheroo, which is that they did not, in fact, have the reality gem. The Infinity Gauntlet was not complete. Uh, and that's what, you know, that was the big Minkoffin. I completely forgot about it. Yeah, and they yeah. mentioned it in the comic. Maybe adding extra words is a way to conceal the one phrase that actually meant anything. I find, it, I find it very, it's a very interesting plot point, given that I know who actually has the reality gem. Oh, I remember, too. I just forgot that that was ultimately how they got him. And it was a clever, clever ruse. I, mm-hmm. I enjoyed it a lot. However, I do feel like... I didn't need to hear that the living tribunal outlawed a certain thing, and then now he's he's in he's debating whether or not the, the oh. entire concept of Galactus saying, "Oh, you people don't know what you're doing. Let me cause a cosmic level threat so I could talk to this judge and get a subpoena to stop well, this." I, what? My, what is this? My biggest problem was the living tribunal was supposed to be the end all be all, but ultimately, in order to bring the gems back together, they needed to get an okay from Infinity. So that from eternity, I mean, from eternity, so that the 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 living tribunal would be okay with reversing it. Yeah, but then, but then, even after that, we we get um, no. It's just it's just eternity who can decide moving forward. You don't even have to have to go through the tribunal anymore. Yeah, and why would eternity want them to have the gauntlet back? Because he was uh, well, it was fooled into believing that the gauntlet was the only way to stop Magus and whatever his plan was, yeah. but his plan was ultimately just to get the gauntlet. That's just well, But they did it at odd. a point, though, where they knew uh, that Adam Warlock was going to have it, so they needed him to reactivate it so that Warlock could use it, and during the time that they were trying to bring him out of his catatonic state, the Magus wound up getting it yeah, instead. Yeah. I, but... Again. But I think the uh, I think the the idea though is, and it's not clearly expressed that they they make the appeal to eternity that the Magus is a threat to his existence, right? And but he's only a threat because so you need Adam Warlock to somewhere in there. There's a nuclear disarmament argument, right? There's a we need these weapons to protect ourselves from, from these weapons. weapons. Uh, maybe not even a nuclear disarmament, maybe a much broader, but it was not well handled. Yeah, it no. was it was confusing and felt like techno babble and meaningless meandering at its worst. But, you know, there are a lot of things that are going for this book as well. I think the art goes back and forth for me. 
Uh, but there are certain areas where it really does shine, much more so than Infinity Gauntlet. Mm-hmm. I feel like characters are given their own space to be themselves in this book more than other, more than perhaps Infinity Gauntlet. I think generally Ron Lim did a very good job, with possibly the exception, the constant exception of Gambit's hair, <laughs> which was just exceedingly lines, bizarre. Colored in. Yeah. And like... And like like approaching Marge Simpson levels <laughs> of height. Yeah. Wow. Which are is completely not indicated by anything in Gambit's character design at any point in his history. He could have just made hair like Adam Warlock's and put it on Gambit's head. It would have worked. It felt like, well, you know, Adam Warlock's hair, I mean, pick a, oh, pick a style. On. I mean, yes, beautiful. But Magus, half the time he has a perm. And the other half, it's an afro. Well, the perm well, the is af- always in flashback. The, the afro, sure. yeah, was because it was in the seventies, and that's how he was. <laughs> All right, yeah, fine, fair enough. I just did not expect his it's like <laughs> Adam Warlock's the, dark half. To, basically, you know, what, what, what they're that. saying is that it's a different to- time, Frank. Yeah. What they're saying is that the top knot is the nineties version of the the perm. Okay. Great. So, yes, a a confusing romp through many things, but I would say the story is far more straightforward. And if anything, this is maybe a better run at Infinity Gauntlet. But it's still a very confusing... In some ways, it's better. Some ways, it's not. Mm -hmm. And it's still not quite mastering the story of a villain with ultimate power, what are you going to do? I, I I agree with you. Um, it was essentially, it was kind of like Infinity Gauntlet Draft 2 um, with input from Peter Jackson because the last issue and a half felt like it was the never-ending ending. Oh, yeah. There mm-hmm. is a lot of, I'm going to just, uh, there. there's definitely a, a cast of characters that uh, Starlin loves, and it's the Adam Warlock family. And they will get their due. They and will I get do, their so much time. talking. I yeah. do have a problem with the fact that if you are not in Starlin's you know, main cast, that he just does not care about those characters at all in terms of characterization or voice. The, uh, the, the Black Cat and Black Widow scene that we referenced earlier mm-hmm. in the hospital... Those could have been any characters. Yeah, there was I agree. nothing unique to those characters. I, I can't. I could not hear Black Widow saying anything. I don't of think what she said. I don't think it's true of all those characters, of all the non-Starlin characters. But it is true of many. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So I think we've d- discussed this now in two different books back to back. So it's worth exploring in 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 the future in the in the the dawn of the Infinity War movie. How do you do this right? What were we looking for in these books? Because if you look at this as a uh, Adam Warlock crossover event, these kind of make sense. You have your Adam Warlock storyline. Every once in a while, once a year, it comes to a big fruition. And you, you know, throw out a, a, a bone to the other Marvel Universe characters, have them come in and play around a little bit. But it's not going to be their story. Who cares? That's not what... that's not what the Marvel Cinematic Universe is at all. Literally, except for Gamora, no character, Drax, I guess. And they're not in the same form that we're used to. None of these characters have ever really made an impact in these films. So how how would you do a story like this? What are we looking for? I know what I'm looking for. I'm looking for a cosmic-level threat that comes down on our heroes that they have the ability to resist at great cost, I think. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and for that to happen, this has to be the this movie will have to be more of a. It seems like it would have to be more of a, a Thanos quest than an Infinity anything, right? He's got to be able to collect those gems or somehow have like this weird buffer period between getting the gems and actually learning how to master them. Because if there's a if there's a window where Thanos has all the power, it's not going to be entertaining, in my opinion. He needs to fight for that power gem. He needs to fight for that time gem, and that's where this, these stories have been strongest so far. That's my thing. I don't. I, uh, what about you guys? I I think the most logical way to deal with these is, as we've seen, Thanos collecting the gems, much much like a Thanos quest. In the first movie, Avengers 3, Infinity War, I think we're going to see the Marvel heroes, the MCU heroes that we've seen already, giving everything they have, probably sacrificing multiples of their own to try and stop Thanos from collecting them all. And he, I don't see him having the Infinity Gauntlet altogether until the end. Until, uh, I think I think the uh, the thing is that eventual I think it has to be eventually he's unstoppable, mm-hmm. and that's how the movie ends. And I think we're going to see new heroes rise in Infinity War two or Electric Avengers Book four. Yeah, uh, and we do know we have the Infinity War two to look forward to, but we just don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. We so don't know the title. All right, uh, Ken. Do you have anything? No, I'm, I'm. I agree with Peter essentially. I mean, yeah. the the threat has to be big enough, and I don't think you can actually do it all in that film. And yeah, it, it's going to end with Thanos ultimately reaching his goal of of getting all, if not most, of the of, of the gems. So the interesting thing to me in this is that one of the things that we find disappointing about some of these Infinity books. Um, namely, maybe Gauntlet and War, is that towards the end, it's like, all right, reset to some extent, even mm-hmm. if it was a weaker reset in Infinity War. Uh, and I think one of the strengths the movie is going to have is that there's not going to be a need for a reset because if it ends the way we're predicting, mm-hmm. that's the way. It, there won't be a need for a reset quite yet. Does that make sense? Hopefully. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I think, I think yeah. The, the key is that we need... If... You're going up against an ultimate foe. There has to be a cost. Oh, absolutely. And I just, there has to be some sort of stakes beforehand or else it's almost pointless. And it has to be tangible. The cost can't be just wiped away at the end. Right. All right. So let's refocus on Infinity War. What are some things we liked? What are some things we really didn't like? I'll bring up. I mean, we've already said uh, a couple of them. Um, the the comic relief of Speedball and Kang and Doom, I think, good. was Two of my favorite aspects of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Kang and Doom as a comic duo is one of my faves. I agree with that one. I And I actually like the concept of Adam Warlock's behavioral being split. I thought it was a cool concept of the good and evil of this could-be God and how each side works. I, I have a note written down from page 17 of issue one where uh, the word benumbing is used. <laughs> And that just okay. that just struck me. A lot of Jim Starlin's word choices seem to be words that were either coined offhand by Shakespeare or uh, just put into the dictionary by Merriam-Webster on a bet. 
<laughs> yeah, um, I, I, I like that. the fact that the word lozenge comes up lozenge. in describing in describing an object of infinite power. All right, I wanted to look that one up. I was like, am I using the word lozenge wrong? No, no, basically cough drop shaped. Okay, great, great, <laughs> awesome. Um, I do have in, in a more serious issue that I have. We talked a lot about uh, this feeling like a second draft of Infinity Gauntlet. I. Uh, I'm not sure about that. I think maybe a second version, a second rehash. But I feel that Infinity Gauntlet, in many ways, was more polished than this. When you when you read just the way the panels were constructed in Infinity Gauntlet and the way the, the pages were presented, it was very cinematic. If In your mind, these were illustrated film scenes. To me and it was very easy to follow the story i found that in infinity war there were a lot more random scene cuts especially in the middle of a page you know you start off the page in one location and you're half a universe away and it's not at the center of the page it's it's inconsistent where the jumps are and i found it very jarring and made it difficult to follow so i it, it feels like it was less well constructed Less thought went into constructing the book panel by panel in Infinity War than it did in Infinity Gauntlet. I'll agree to that, and I'll also uh, brought it, the idea of, of um, how cinematic everything looks. So when something cosmic happened, an explosion happened, you could you see it and you understand what's going on. What I, I found some of the stuff with Galactus's ship, all the traveling. And when we got to those moments where stuff is exploding in space and all these things are happening in space, I found it muddled and couldn't understand what the art represented at times. Mm -hmm. Where, again, the gauntlet was more straightforward. To be fair, I think there are moments in this book where the art is uh, surpasses things I've seen in uh, in Gauntlet. Oh, yeah. But I, I, maybe they are fewer. But I'm talking the, gen the, the general day. flow mm -hmm. was much more stilted in this. Uh, yeah, I think the visual storytelling aspect, I think, was was better in Gauntlet than, than this. Yeah, and to your point, there, there were elements in Infinity Gauntlet which were not perfect. But, right. You know, particularly issue five with the cosmic battles, with the cosmic entities... A lot of that was very muddied and mm -hmm. not clear what was going on, but it was it storytelling wise. It was I felt it was much tighter in Infinity Gauntlet than Infinity War, visually speaking. Right. I uh, think I what I truly enjoyed were some of the moments uh, of characterizations from the the larger Marvel cast. I liked that I got to see more from characters whom I knew and cared about. Uh, and that they weren't just sort of background characters to be cannon fodder, that there seemed to be a legitimate stake that they could, uh, or, or or leverage they can uh, work in this great cosmic battle. I even like the fact that the plan in, in, in this book was more straightforward than in Infinity War. The plan in Infinity War was effectively, let's just blow it up, we, we can do this. Mm. And trust me, Thanos doesn't really want it. This plan was a little bit more convoluted and, uh, uh, you know, tr a matter of tricking people into believing things that aren't necessarily true. I appreciated all of that. Uh, but, how, yeah, there was a lot of places where the, the book kind of dropped the ball for me, and that's why I am going to rank it. And I actually came close on this one, probably closer than in Infinity uh, Gauntlet, but I am going to give it a good. Okay. Yeah, unfortunately. It's just, it's not, there's too many weak points. There's too much. For me, the, the killer was the, the Techno Bamble that just slowed things down. 
Yeah, I, I, I was back and forth on this again, very similar to Infinity Gauntlet, uh, the last show. But you know what? what it, again, some of the humor came out in it, and one of the things I forgot to mention I didn't get to was I still laugh to this day every time we hear from Pip the Troll exactly where he keeps his gem. Ugh. And, um, yeah, I, I liked moments like that, and I thought it was fun. I loved the uh, the concept of the, of the Magus, and I think I'm going to go near mint on it. All right, near mint. I got I to gotta stick with a hard good like you, Frank. It's, mm-hmm. uh, it just it lacked the polish to me that Infinity Gauntlet had, and oh. I, I can't give it any more than a good. Oh, man, that's very upsetting. But at the same time, you know what? Nostalgia, sometimes you have to just – Look back at things and be a little bit more critical of what you what you thought you loved. Next on our list uh, to wrap up Infinity Month. <laughs> I don't actually know what it is. What it's it? Infinity Crusade. Okay, good. We we get to find out what happens when the Marvel Universe goes up against Adam Warlock's good half, which is a chick. <laughs> yeah, that was an interesting choice. Uh, having him split his good and evil side to two one is masculine one is feminine and one has an afro or a very very tight berm at some point and the other one has uh faucet hair was it a fair faucet hair can yeah, we say that essentially yeah yeah, yeah. yeah right. sometimes yeah. I'll, I'll, actually i love the don't get too attached to it it becomes more joan of arc by the time we actually get True. to crusade good 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 so infinity crusade next on near mint as we wrap up infinity month if you like this podcast, and we know you do, like and follow and subscribe and share and comment and tell all your friends. We really, really appreciate it, and it helps us a lot. Uh, of course, you could uh, follow us on Facebook in our group where we kind of talk about this book and others. Go to facebook.com slash group slash nonpro. And for all your near mint needs, go to non-productive.com. Thank you all for listening, and good night. This has been a non-productive media presentation. Executive producer, Frank Hablaoui. This program and many others like it on the Non-Productive Network is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. Please share it, but ask before trying to change it or sell it. For more information, visit non-productive.com.